I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. This is going to be so good. Of all the lessons I've learned in my entire life, this may be at the very, very, very top of the list. I first had this lesson probably, it was in my 20s. It was in my 20s when I first started to learn this lesson. And over time, I got it. And now I really got it. I was visiting Maya Angelou and having a conversation with her about life and so many other things. And we were in the midst of a book club selection, actually, her book for her book, Heart of a Woman. And we ended the evening in our pajamas having this little discussion. So this is just very brief, one of my favorite life lessons. The other most important lesson Well, it's hard for me to number them, but let's say one of the most important lessons I ever learned from you, and I still am, you know, I think I know the lesson, and then I'll walk into a situation and think that's that same lesson, and that is when people show you who they are, believe them. Yes, absolutely. A person says to you, I'm selfish, or I'm mean, or I am unkind. Or I'm crazy. Or I'm cra- Believe them. They know themselves much better than you do. Mm-hmm. But no, more often than not, those of us who don't trust life say, don't say a thing like that. Mm-hmm. You're not really crazy. You're not really unkind. You're not really mean. <laughs> and as soon as you say that, the person shows you, I told you. Mm-hmm. I told you I was unkind. So now, why are you angry? When she first told me this story, I was talking about some bad relationship or relationship gone bad uh, because of my own choices. And she was saying to me, why, why are you blaming the other person? He showed you who he was. He told you who he was. And when you look back on bad relationships, like for myself, sitting in a window, waiting on him to show up, not even answering the phone. This is where we had cell phones. Not even getting on the phone because I was afraid if it was busy for one second, then he would call and I would miss the call. Not taking out the garbage on the weekends because I might be out taking the garbage out in the moment that he calls. Not running the bath water because he might call while I'm running the bath water and I might miss the phone and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. When you look at that process, of waiting on somebody who has told you they were going to do something and told you they were going to be there for you, and they were not. They are showing you in that moment exactly who they are. That means that's somebody who cannot be trusted. So why would you the next time trust that person? So Maya Angelou said to me when I was telling her one of these stories about I was waiting and I couldn't believe it and he didn't call me and I don't know what happened. She was saying, my dear, in her Maya voice, my dear, When people show you who they are, why don't you believe them? Why must you be shown 29 times before you can see who they really are? Why can't you get it the first time? 
So the adjunct to that is when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. Don't wait for the 29th time. You know, I, we see this over and over when it comes to romance. I've seen it a thousand times and so have you. Particularly on the Oprah show for years, I would see where women are more interested in the wedding, in the process of a marriage, instead of the actual marriage itself. More people are interested in the wedding so that they can prove to the world that they were worthy and they got married. And how do I know this? Because this happened to me. I remember, let me share this with you. When I first got engaged, I was engaged at one time. Now I'm, I guess I'm permanently engaged. But I was engaged at one time when Seb and I had been dating for about two years. And there was so much pressure from everybody, like, is she going to get married? Will you get married? I wanted the validation of being married of knowing that he wanted to marry me. I wanted the validation of knowing that he felt I was worthy of being married. But when I actually said yes to being married, I didn't get cold feet, I got feet in a cement bucket. And I realized I really don't wanna be married. What I wanted was the validation of knowing that he thought I was worthy of being married. That was a big lesson for me. I do realize and have seen in so many other women what I felt in myself, that what they're really looking for is the validation to say, I am worthy of being married, but they really don't want the marriage. And when it's very clear to everybody else involved that marriage is not what you should be doing, here is a perfect example of that. Dr. Phil has five questions you need to ask yourself before you get married. The first question to ask yourself is, oh, I love this, this is a simple thing. Why are you getting married? Angela and Eric are asking themselves that question right now. They have been engaged on and off for two years and are afraid of what the future really holds for them. Take a look. Eric and I have been together for three years. We've been engaged for a bit over two. When I asked Ange to marry me, I thought she was definitely the one. I thought there was going to be no problems. And after we got engaged, things went absolutely downhill. I pretty much planned everything. Everything was done. I've got my dress. The hall was booked. I tried to include him and ask him what part he wanted to play. And all he told me was he wanted roast beef for dinner. She had expectations of her wedding being perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, I would pay. And then I started becoming more aware of everything that was nitpicked over. Whether my shirt's dirty, I got a spot on my tie, you didn't push your chair in, you bite the spoon when you eat your cereal, you slurp your soup, you slurp your drinks. Am I going to be able to put up with that for the rest of my life? I asked him several times throughout this, is this what you want to do? Is this where you want to be? Do you want to wait a year? And he would say, no, no, no. I tried to talk to Ange about postponing the wedding several times. We'd talk, Ange would cry, I would break down. I'd give in to anything that she wanted, to the point where I was banging my head against a wall. Basically, Eric started lying, started associating with other girls. I was the biggest ass you could possibly imagine. I ended up having a, uh, an affair. I need to know that he can be faithful. I need to know that he can respect me. I probably do have high expectations in the sense of, call if you're gonna be late. He sees it as control. Sometimes I feel I might wanna marry Eric for the wrong reasons. I've always wanted to be married, I've always wanted to get married, and on paper, 
all the qualities that Eric has are everything on my list. Dr. Phil said Eric was showing Angela exactly who he was. Now tell me about this affair that you had. What do you want to know? Well, I want to hear you explain to me again why it is, which one. We'll just talk about the one that, that I understand you did on purpose yeah. for her benefit. Bottom line, let's get to the bottom line here. Bottom line. Ange and I had a lot of problems, and we had a, a great difficulty in communicating with each other. We tried to talk about canceling the marriage or postponing it, and uh, as, just, as, a, as I said already, we'd try and talk, she'd cry, I'd break down, I'd give in to anything that she wanted. So uh, I took it upon myself unwisely and uh, had it set up where she would find me in bed with a girl. Two girls. <clears throat> Found him in bed with two girls. <laughs> okay, and you did this for her benefit to give her a wake-up call. Yeah. Sorry. All right, mighty decent of you. Um, <clears throat> now, see, look, I, I think Oprah, you said bottom line. That wasn't I, in my background information. <laughs> on the, on the I, I think you. Go ahead. I, I think you have to. I mean, you got to know. That's weak. There, there's a lot of side effects to that solution, don't you think? And I think, you, I think people need to break these things down. I mean, for you, I, I think you need to look at the pros and cons. And I just wanted to make a pro and con list for you, because you guys remember Ben Franklin used to make these Ben Franklin teas where he'd put all the good things on one side and all the bad things on the other side, and then look at it and see what the decision ought to be and where the work needed to be done. Now, I went through everything that you've talked about in all your interviews and all your notes, and you had some pros listed there about the good things uh, about him. Yeah. And number one was potential. You said, I see potential in him. <laughs> all right? And number two was, he's cute. <laughs> okay? You said he's athletic, and I, but you basically said he's cute. That's about all I could find hard evidence on the pro side was potential and he was cute. I'm watching and I'm thinking the same thing you all are thinking when you're watching. Well, that's pretty obvious when you make a list. And then I'm thinking about what are the lists in everybody else's life and what have been the lists in my own life that you needed to make when it was so obvious. If I were to list any of the relationships in, in my past, uh, other than the one I'm currently in, I would have the same thing. I would have cute and potential. And if you just give me time, I could work with him and raise him up a little bit. Uh, and so I saw myself in her because when I first saw him, I could tell one of the reasons why she's holding on is because he's cute. And she sees and believes in the image, in the Kodak image of what she thinks that marriage could be instead of looking at the reality of what really is going on in their relationship. I looked at everything you said on the con side, and number one, I found selfish. You said, he's selfish, he's just absolutely selfish. Number two, you said, I don't trust him. Number three, you said, he's got poor judgment. I mean, he's out going and having an affair with somebody for your benefit, that's poor judgment, okay? <laughs> Next, it's evident that he's willing to hurt you in order to avoid being accountable. You didn't have the guts to say, I don't wanna do this, and you were willing to hurt her rather than face this on yourself. Next, he's thinking he might be marrying you for the money. 
That's on the negative side, I, I would think. <laughs> Next, you said, I don't really like him anymore. You said, I love him, but I don't really like him anymore. And then you said, he just wears me out. <laughs> okay, now, on the pro side, he's got potential. As Daryl Royal says, that just means you ain't done it yet. <laughs> and he's cute. And he's very smart. There were more on there, I believe, than I said about that. Well, potential included yeah. that he's smart. He can go do some good things. But on the con side, we got selfies. I don't trust him. He's got poor judgment. He's willing to hurt me. He might be marrying me for money. I don't like him anymore, and he's wearing me flat out. Now, it suggests to me <clears throat> that if you're going to get married, and I'm not even saying you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> thing over it. You shouldn't get married. Okay. You shouldn't get married. This is funny to me because it's so clear to all of us who are watching that those two should not be together. And they actually did not get married. I know so many people hold on to difficult situations because they're holding on to that little piece of potential that they believe that they can extract or change or make different in somebody. Maya says this, when people show you who they are, believe them, but when they tell you who they are, when they tell you who they are, you better well believe it. So beware, again, paying attention to your life in such a way that you can hear what the message is and what's underneath the message, that people are showing you who they are by their actions. And when you see it, believe it the first time. Back in 2004, we weren't as accustomed to all of the political scandals and sexual shenanigans that we've heard from politicians uh, in recent years. Dina McGreevy and Governor McGreevy were one of those first cases that were outed in such a way that everybody was like, oh, can you believe how shocking it is when he was discovered, outed, and had to proclaim before the world that he indeed is gay. My truth is that I am a gay American. Shamefully, I engaged in an adult consensual affair with another man, which violates my bonds of matrimony. And for this, I ask the forgiveness and the grace of my wife. She has been extraordinary throughout this ordeal, and I am blessed by virtue of her love and strength. I have decided the right course of action is to resign. I talked to former Governor Jim McGreevy on The Oprah Show two years after he left office. How did you tell your wife? Badly. Yeah, really. Because you're not only saying it to the woman you love, you're saying it to yourself. So when you go to tell the person that you've taken this marital vow, that you've committed adultery, mm -hmm. and this is who I am, you had better step up to the plate and own that. Yeah. So I'm asking, how did you do that? I just said to her that I had done something very wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I had been involved in another relationship, a relationship with a man. Um, mm -hmm. And she was... She was stunned. Dina McGreevy, 
later came on our show to talk about how she wasn't aware that he was gay and wasn't aware that he had been keeping that big secret. Today, Dina McGreevy, his estranged wife, is speaking publicly for the first time. She what we learned in the process of talking to her and in reading her book is that often when a person does not show you the exact problem or issue, and you're not a psychic, so you can't figure out what it is, you get little whispers, little messages, little things that show up as problems that you think, hmm, this isn't right, or that's odd. Little things that let you know that something is off here. So although she did not know he was gay, he had shown her in many other instances who he was. He was a person who was accustomed to keeping secrets. And if a person is accustomed to keeping secrets and deceiving you and not really being truthful with you and other areas of their life, there's no telling what is the big secret that you might never know. Dina wrote a book in 2007 called Silent Partner about her marriage to Governor McGreevy. In it, she claims that he kept his personal life hidden throughout their entire relationship. I think Jim's inclination to keep secrets is at the core of who he is. During our marriage, he kept his finances secret from me. We never lived more than five or six miles from Jim's parents. And yet, in all those years, I was never in his parents' home. Not once. The secret I was most threatened by was Jim's relationship with his ex-wife, Carrie. I was never allowed to interact with Carrie. One morning, he was on the phone clearly talking to her, and he called her sweetheart. You know, I learned that Jim was, uh, was throwing a party for Carrie and didn't invite me, didn't tell me about it. It appears that Jim told Carrie a lot more and shared a lot more with her than he ever did with me. Dina says Jim even kept his daughter, Morag, from his first marriage shrouded in secrecy. Morag was almost 10. Jim and I had been together for six years, and still I'd never met her. In fact, I'd never even spoken to her. Jim simply wouldn't allow it. Everybody's like, what? What? Talk about some signs. Signs, you know, nobody's saying that the, these were signs that you should have absolutely known that he was gay, but there were definitely signs of being disconnected within the relationship. So when you're, you are married to someone and they have a child, and she was 10 years old at the time. Yes. 10 years old at the time, and you're not allowed to see the child or have any contact with the child or his parents are five or six miles away and you're never going to the parents' home. What were you thinking? Well, you know, his excuse for not seeing his daughter was that she was too far away. She's in British Columbia. And whenever I asked him, um, you know, to bring her yeah. you know, to New Jersey or to have her spend vacations with us or summer, he always said that her mother wouldn't allow her, that, you know, her entire family would have to come and it would be too uncomfortable. Um, in terms of his parents, well, they were out a lot campaigning for him. Whenever we had, you know, holidays or dinner together or celebrating a birthday, it was always out. Mm -hmm. Always out. And even his friends said that, you know, no one ever went to his house. This is what I was really thinking when I was sitting there listening to her speak and the audience's reaction. I was thinking he showed you with his finances being kept a secret 
A lot of women will say, well, I don't know anything about that. This is 2011. This is the 21st century. If you're a woman in a relationship with a man and you don't know anything about the finances or how things work in the house and all of that's kept a secret, then you have yourself to hold accountable for that. That is your fault and it will catch up with you at some point in your relationship. And to live five miles from somebody's parents and never be in a situation where you can go to the parent's home, I'm listening to that and I'm thinking, this is nonsensical. This doesn't make any sense. What is it about you that would allow you to let that happen to you? And when she said he wouldn't allow her to have a relationship with the daughter, if you're in a marriage and there is a an allowing, a controlling situation going on, those are all signals in any kind of relationship. When someone is trying to control you, it means that that they are trying to control you. So speaking of the statement that he, that I'd read earlier, that he had uh, said in court papers that you did know and that even friends had said to you that he was gay or might have been gay or whatever, had anyone ever said to you that he was? No. No one ever said to me that he was gay. Okay. You know, I mean, it's a cliche, but the wife is always the last to know. Mm-hmm. And it's true. So as I'm sitting there listening to her, I'm thinking, well, he didn't come out and say he was gay to her, as she disclosed to all of us. He never said that to her until he was getting ready to make the announcement to the world. But he told you in so many other ways that there was something deceptive going on in your relationship. And... Her inability to see it was because she didn't want to see it. That's what I was thinking. What do you think when you look back on your well, time I th- together? I thought it was real, mm-hmm. but you know he was a great actor. Mm-hmm. You know he, as he said, he kept these two his two worlds separate, mm-hmm. and um, you know was a master at it. He had apparently been doing this his entire life or most of his life. So you were talking about signs. Looking back, was the way he proposed to you one of them? Uh, Well, when he proposed to me, first he had a friend of his ask me if I would marry him. If he asked me to marry him, would I say yes? Yeah, it's kind of like third grade. Right. Like in high school, will you go yeah, out with yeah, that? No, I think third grade. Remember you did that? I like her. So you tell him that you liked it at her, and then she comes back and says to him that you do. Is that, was that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I thought it was very strange, but I thought perhaps he was insecure, wasn't sure if I'd say yes, and maybe so afraid of friend, denial. You said to the friend, yeah, I would marry. Well, yeah. I said, why isn't he asking me himself? Yeah. And she says, well, I don't know. I guess he's afraid of rejection or afraid that you'll say no. So I said, I would. You would. And so then he came and asked you? Well, not really. But um, about a month and a half later, um, we went away to to Montreal. And um, we were sitting, having, about to have dinner. And I was looking at the menu. And I was about to put it down. And it wasn't sitting on the plate. A ring. And it was a box. Mm-hmm. Um, so he looked at me and said, aren't you going to open it? So I opened it, and I looked at it, and I was waiting for him to say something. He didn't say anything. And then he said, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, what, what do I think? 
This is why it's a pretty significant ring. And I looked at him and I waited for the proposal. More. And it never happened. He says, well, like, well, what? And what, what do you think? I said, um, I guess, uh, yes. He never asked. Yeah. He never asked. He just, and you just said, and then you finally said yes. And so you were married. Right. Okay, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Her inability to see it is like so many of us. You don't see it because you really don't want to see it. You know why you don't want to see it? I know this because I've been in this situation. Because if you see it, if you really allow yourself to take the whole thing in and see what's in front of you, then that means you've got to do something about it. And what are you willing to do about it? I'm grateful for everybody who's ever told their story and shared their story because this is the reason why I never had to go to a therapist because I sat and I listened to people tell these stories and when you hear their stories, you say, gosh, that is really amazing that you couldn't see that so you try to look for it in your own life. And I love it when women say, I didn't see it coming, I didn't know it, I wasn't expecting it, it just showed up out of nowhere. Learn from me and learn from others. When people show you who they are, believe them. They always show you. They always show you. When Dwayne and his wife, Cesaria, appeared on The Oprah Show, Cesaria says he tried to kill her. When I met Cesaria, I thought, this is the absolutely most perfect woman I could have ever met. He seemed to be the perfect husband. He was warm and loving, just a wonderful guy. In the beginning of our relationship, everything was wonderful. I hid my temper. I hid my bad habits. I wanted to be perfect for Cesaria, but I immediately got jealous of all her male friends. Cesaria's former boyfriends uh, came over one day, and I could just feel myself just getting hot. And all the while in my mind, I'm just thinking, oh, how could she be so disrespectful to me? All this time, I'd kept domestic violence out of our relationship, and now, now here she goes. And I just felt so just discarded and so worthless. And we went to bed that night, and uh, I wanted to talk. We were going to have this out. And I told him, you don't have any reason to be acting this way. In my mind, she said, we're through. Get out of my life. I'm leaving you. And I just jumped on top of her. And I grabbed her and I said, you don't deserve to live. And I started choking her and slapping her as hard as I could. Back and forth across her face. He struck me so hard that I saw stars. And I was just simply stunned. And he was crazed. And I could hear her screaming like she was being attacked by some stranger. That didn't stop me. I was so mad. And I was going to teach her a lesson. She wasn't going to leave me. She was my woman. She was going to stay put. And I started choking her. And then I could hear her knock on the door. And I could hear Mommy, are you okay? If my daughter had not come at the time that she came, I don't know where it would have ended. And I think if I hadn't been stopped, I probably, probably would have killed her that night with my bare hands.
Cesario says that she'd never seen Dwayne violent before that fateful night when he snapped. Now, experts say that normal people, normal people, never just snap. There are always warning signs. And Cesaria, what signs did you miss, do you think? He had given me a cell phone that I thought was, you know, a very nice thing. But what it really was was a way to keep a leash almost on me. It's a cell phone and a beeper. A cell phone and a beeper. So where at any time he could beep me to tell where I was at, what I was doing. Um, he did all the finances in his name, all of our checking accounts, the houses, the cars. Everything was in his name. And again, at the time, I felt it was so I didn't have to worry um, about, you know, dealing with money and things like that. He took care of everything, and that was fine. I was well taken care of. But it was just another form of control. Yeah. And so uh, the controlling behavior manifested itself in wanting to control everything. That's correct. This is what you should know. They are still married. They say they work on their marriage every day. There have not been any other incidences of domestic violence. I would say this, that you can point out to people when they're doing things that show you a side of them that you feel you don't want to be a part of. You can point that out, but pointing it out isn't the same as changing it. That person has to want to make a difference in who they are and their actions in order for it to really work. I remember pointing out something to a friend once and saying, you know, I will not tolerate this behavior. I'm not gonna be around this behavior. And the friend said to me, and I knew that things would change because the friend said to me, you know what? This isn't the kind of person I want to be. Thank you for sharing that with me because this isn't the kind of person I want to be. So whether somebody says that to you or not, they have to at least have the feeling that they see what you're talking about and they also want to change it and be a different kind of person. Otherwise, you're just speaking to the wind. When people show you who they are, believe them, is not one of those lessons where you're expected to actually go and try to change a person or try to make a difference for them. It's for you to know and to be able to say, I see you, I see what this is, and I've had enough. Goodbye. I was sitting down watching the Oprah show and I heard Maya Angelou say, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And it was an aha moment for Oprah, it was an aha moment for me. Well, I met this man, the relationship got serious and he started to really drink a lot and he started to drink in front of my children. His drinking escalated into him speaking to me disrespectfully in public. And you know, after a couple of things that happened, I, I still gave him a chance because he was a really nice guy. He had a great job, he functioned well, he was a functioning alcoholic. And I thought, this is who he is. He is not going to change and I need to leave that situation alone. That one line gave me everything I needed, strength, courage. It was as if that line gave me permission to just walk away from a bad situation. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time, it is a source of power for me. What I love about that line is that you can use it as a source of strength to get rid of people that are not good for you and a source of power to attract the people that should be in your lives. I met my husband at a conference. I heard Oprah go, if someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. 
this man is showing me who he is. He is a nice man, a person of good character. Believe him. So I chose to believe him. I have two children. He came in right off the bat, loved them, and right after we were married, he asked for my permission to legally adopt them so they wouldn't have to ever worry about who their father was, where their father was. He wanted to be that person in their lives. My life would have been a mess if I did not hear these words. I wouldn't have given that wonderful man a chance to be my husband and the father of my children. So when someone shows you who they are, believe them because it can change your life. You are responsible for the energy that you bring. You are also responsible for the energy that you allow to be brought to you. And so it's just a choice about how you want to live your life. All of the negative, dark, um, irresponsible energy that comes around you blocks you from moving forward in your life. Life is always about energy. It's about clearing your energy space so that you're, I, I say it's like having mud in your wings. There are a lot of people who have people in their lives who bring mud into their lives and are not creating a space for clearing for them. And if you are surrounded by people who put mud in your wings, who bring you bad energy, until you start to clear that out, you will not be able to live your fullest, highest expression of yourself. That's just the truth. But it's a process of seeing it for what it is and beginning to distance yourself, however you can, from that situation. In many cases, it means divorcing yourself from the relationships that are toxic to you. And unless you're willing to do that, then you don't grow forward. You don't. You just don't. When people show you who they are, believe them. In 1998, relationship expert Ayanla Van Zandt drove that lesson home. Do you believe everybody has their soulmate? Yeah, you. <laughs> I am my soulmate. So, because I think we bought into this Erica Kane philosophy. It's what yes. I call it to this Erica Kane philosophy of he's out there somewhere yeah. for me. Somewhere. And so we start looking under rocks. Right. You understand? Can we start and at taking the top any of the old tree? Thing. You understand? Yes. So we've got to take our time and look for the experience, not the feeling. Look for the experience, not the excitement. Most of us have a death urge. And we see the guy coming, warning, slap right in the middle of his head. And we said, oh, I'ma fix it. I'ma change it. I'ma reshape it. And we gotta understand, love <laughs> doesn't have to fix you, change it. When you see crazy coming, cross the street. <laughs> cross the street. Don't stay there. Come on, crazy. Let me give you some therapy. People, why do we think love fixes? We go into loving relationships trying to fix somebody, change somebody. You see, love is so real. It's already patient. It's already kind. It's already enduring. You don't have to do nothing to love. So when you get somebody and you got to start fixing them, understand that you're in your lust. You are out of your mind. And wow. you have to go back in. You are good, girl. <laughs> you know, Maya and I have had this conversation for years about when people show you who they are, believe them. And my being able to share that with you has been very meaningful to me to be able to offer that to all of you. But what she was really saying to me um, is that when people show you, please understand the truth of them and yourself 
And do not waste your time with people who have shown you that they really mean no good for you. Maya has another phrase. Do not let yourself be surrounded by people who will peck you to death like a duck. She says, if you allow yourself to be around people who show you who they are and you refuse to believe it, they will each time they enter into your space, take a little piece of your soul. It's just little pieces of energy that get pulled away and pulled away and pulled away in such a fashion that by the end of your encounter with them, you are less than you were meant to be. When somebody has shown you who they are, believe them means stop expecting them to be something other than who they are. Believe them and move on. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.